Hello and welcome to Real Speak Real English with Andrew. English in context. If you've got an intermediate to advanced level of English, you will benefit from this podcast totally in English. You're going to learn idiomatic expressions, phrasal verbs, grammar, and vocabulary, all completely in context with Andrew, the most patient English teacher on the internet. Hello, 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 hi, and welcome to episode number two. And this one's called Focus on Pronunciation. So it's a little bit of a clickbait title, perhaps, and I apologize for that. Um, clickbait being something on the internet which is generated to make people click on it. It may be something provocative, it may even be something misleading. And I hope that this episode is neither of those two things. That may be a little bit provocative, but it may I don't think it's misleading. I'm not lying. We're going to focus on pronunciation here. Um, so the question I ask at the beginning is simply, is accent important? Let alone achieving a so-called native speaker accent. So first of all, we'll look at, you know, what is this mythical native accent and is it really necessary as a speaker of English as a second, third or fourth language, you know? Um, as a sort of language student myself and somebody who lived in Spain for a number of years, um, I did manage to adopt the sort of local accent. Um, I've heard plenty of other English speakers who live in Spain that maintain their English speaking accent while speaking Spanish and this is often the case in North America too so you get people saying things like hola me llamo Andrew you know, very posh English accent but transferring it across to Spanish or hola me llamo Andrew in, in North America and is this really important does it make a difference well ah, I used to travel all over Spain with my work and people would sometimes say to me, but you, you, you can't be British, you're one of us, you sound like you're from Valencia, you sound Spanish. And that was good, that was kind of music to my ears, because that's what I personally wanted to achieve. Does that mean that's right for everybody? Should everybody want to achieve a sort of local accent? Well, perhaps not. Um, and also, it kind of depended on the day. Um, some days I would go out speaking Spanish and people would start speaking Italian to me. Okay, I would answer in Italian, but that's because some days my Spanish accent was affected by Italian. The, the, the intonation, the rhythm, the way I would speak perhaps sounded or perhaps came across uh, as more Italian than sort of Valencian Spanish. It, it depended on the day really. It's a difficult thing to do. Um, same with my French. I mean, my my French accent's generally from the sort of southwest area of France, perhaps Béziers, Narbonne, these types of places. Um, but when I speak that way in Paris, it doesn't necessarily mean that the Parisians like that accent. Um, they may expect me to have more of a Parisian accent or a generic accent. So it is quite a provocative, subjective area of study. It's difficult. Um, now, there is an old saying, but before we get to that, let's look at the difference between an accent and a dialect, okay? 
The accent, as I've just mentioned, is the way you speak. It's the intonation. It's the rhythm. It's the sound of the language. Whereas a dialect are different words or different grammatical structures that are used in different areas of different countries. So let's take a look at some languages, for example. I mean, we can look at Swedish, Norwegian and Danish. These languages are quite closely related and people from Sweden, Denmark and Norway can more or less understand each other when they speak their own language. So in linguistics we would say these languages are, to an extent, to a degree, to some point, mutually intelligible. Um, this is also the case with perhaps Catalan, Valencian and the language spoken on the Balearic Islands in Spain. These are mutually intelligible. People can speak their own dialect and be understood by other people who speak different dialects. Now, the, the argument here really is, obviously, Swedish, Norwegian and Danish are classed as different languages. Catalan, Valencian and Balearic are classed as dialects or separate languages depending upon who you speak to. And I'm not going to get into that argument today. Um, Chinese dialects, for example, are not mutually intelligible. People throughout different parts of China speak different dialects, so they use different words, different phrases, different grammatical structures that are not cannot necessarily be understood perfectly by people from other parts of China. So they're not mutually intelligible. So the dialect is the different words, the different perhaps sentence structure, different verbs, different nouns that people use in different areas. And there's an old, an old saying I was alluding to before where people say that a language is a dialect with an army or navy, which is, is really probably quite true. Um, so that's the sort of difference between the dialect as in the words that you use, the grammar that you use, and the accent, the way that you say it. So is accent important? Can you get to the mythical native accent? And is it necessary? Well, you need to choose which native accent you want to use. If it's in English, do you want to use uh, UK English? USA, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, International English, often now called Globish. Um, I mean, if you look at the UK, really there are about 43 different dialects in the UK. So different words and phrases. And dialects are often reflected in accent. Um, in the UK, in the US, it's a similar number. They sometimes say that each state has its own accent or dialect. It's a little bit more vague than that. People in France have different accents and dialects. In Spain, in China, every country has different accents and dialects. So if you want to achieve a native accent, which one are you going to achieve? It could be standard American. It could be, in the UK, received pronunciation, also known as RP. Now, RP is often called BBC English, or the Queen's English, or Posh English. 
and often when you're in a language class um, if they're using UK accent they tend to use this kind of accent in the listening activities up to perhaps a B1 level then they might diversify into other UK accents which are reasonably easy to understand um, and a lot of teachers of English model the RP accent um, because it's seen as the benchmark the standard the gold standard of English uh, accents in the UK however only 2% that's 2 out of every 100 people in the UK speak with an RP accent so it's not widely spoken however it is spoken by important institutions like the BBC some politicians uh, the Queen perhaps so it's seen as being a very upper-class influential accent and perhaps that's why it's traditionally used in language classes and by language teachers um, so the regional accents in the UK really they're sort of looked down on by RP speakers RP speakers have this air of superiority they may feel that they're better than people who speak regional accents indeed this was the case when the BBC itself was founded and um, when it was founded it was a radio company but the director of the BBC made all the radio presenters wear suits or dinner jackets or dress very elegantly although they were on the radio and nobody could see them and they also made these people speak with an RP accent because it was deemed it was identified it was thought of being an accent that everybody in the UK could relate to and by and large on the whole it was however there were speakers of other regional accents or regional dialect users who found this um, RP coming into their house to be invasive obtrusive they didn't want it they wanted to hear things in their own local accents and dialects so nowadays we do have BBC and other local broadcasters that employ people who do speak local regional accents so if you're learning English as another language second third fourth language is this native like received pronunciation important for you given that two percent of the population speak it here well it could be it could be that you might want to to work in high business or in education or in politics or any of these sort of areas where a received pronunciation accent is kind of expected or it could be and it is for the majority of people that you're speaking English in your daily life working or studying you're speaking English with other people who have English as a second or additional language in which case is the perceived correct English pronunciation correct well that's that's your judgment that's not for me to make that decision for you 
I'm just using this podcast to kind of explore some of the options here. Um, often, I mean, another modern phenomenon in the UK is when we study English at school, literature in particular, um, basically everybody does Shakespeare, okay? Shakespeare is something that's studied in every school throughout the UK. And Shakespeare productions are often put on in theatres, concert halls, or sort of traditional venues like castles and things like this. And generally the actors um, voice the Shakespeare or the Shakespearean English with a modern received pronunciation accent. Now the dialect, the words that are used, remain the same. It's Shakespearean English. Um, quite often things like you, as in you are, is replaced with phrases like thou art, which is Shakespearean English. It's not standard modern English. But they do this with a received pronunciation accent, which is not how Shakespeare spoke. Shakespeare spoke, and it's been reconstructed by using his poetry in particular to see how words rhymed. To, to listen to the rhyme, the intonation of the original Shakespearean accent and it's something today like a modern West Country accent so Dorset, Devon, Cornwall, these kind of counties and when the actors voice Shakespeare with received pronunciation it doesn't always rhyme as it was written the intonation's different therefore the message that Shakespeare's work is conveying is being misrepresented perhaps it's not true to the original form these days we're not getting the original Shakespeare experience now some production companies do um, give plays in the original Shakespearean accent with the original Shakespearean dialect so you get a true Shakespearean experience but when you try to put it into a modern received pronunciation accent perhaps some of the message is missing some of the humor is missing some of the intonation the rhythmic qualities is missing in the message of effectively translating Shakespearean English into a modern standard accent now, also in the UK, um, and I'm sure it's the same in most countries, accents can be seen as a way of stereotyping people. You know, when you hear somebody speak in an accent or a dialect, you may have a, a preconception. You may have an idea of what that person is like simply based on accent. Um, and often it's wrong. You know, in the UK, uh, the received pronunciation, the RP speakers, are often seen as being sort of posh, well-educated, as in Eton, Oxford University, Cambridge University, upper-class, rich, privileged people, you know, like aristocrats, people from families of politicians, blue blood, they would be called. But it's not often the case. I've got friends who speak with RP accents, um, and they're actually sort of financially worse off than I am and I'm not rich um, we've got places like Birmingham in the Midlands which is the accent is often seen as belonging to perhaps a lower class 
which is due to historical reasons because it was an industrial place people worked in factories people worked in mines it was a dirty place now it's clean it's a lovely city but the accent still is often made fun of it's often ridiculed it's often laughed at then we've got the northern accents like manchester yorkshire these are seen as being kind of homely welcoming or relaxing accents are often used in television convert commercials um south wales again another friendly another welcoming accent and then we've got places like glasgow and newcastle that people think are really difficult to understand and in these cities it's perhaps a combination of accent and dialect that makes them more difficult to understand so given this accent can be taken as a sort of identity so if you're speaking in english as an additional language you might want to have some interference from your national or regional accent as a mark of identity to show where you come from and this is often uh, quite obvious um, perhaps with some French speakers or German speakers or Arabic speakers where their English can be heavily influenced by their own mother tongue and these speakers sort of wear that badge with pride they're proud of where they come from they're proud of their cultures so often it is the case where they don't try to achieve a sort of native English accent um, that's not to say there aren't people from those cultures who do do this now if you want to get or achieve a native English accent because it's important to you there are strategies you can employ you can identify an accent that you particularly like and you can listen to speakers of this accent perhaps on YouTube or podcasts or over the internet and you can imitate you can repeat what these people are saying to try to train your English to sound like these people it's much like doing physical exercise speaking is physical you're using your lungs you're using your throat your tongue your mouth your lips to form different sounds so much like a physical activity the more you train the more you practice the more you repeat the better you become so by identifying an accent you wish to achieve you can repeat it and you can practice and practice and you will achieve a native like accent however as I mentioned at the beginning this can be difficult you know with my Spanish some days the accent was perfect I nailed it it was spot-on it was really good and people thought that I was from Valencia other days people thought I was Italian because I got the intonation or I got the accent wrong um, and also if you want to achieve this um, native like accent once you've done that or during the process it's also good to look at dialect and use some of the words that sort of real local speakers who use that accent use some of the words or grammatical structures that they use every day as well it's almost like learning another language uh, much as in business English is quite different to standard English then if you learn dialectal English there will be some differences from what you learn in textbooks 
Um, but textbooks is a subject for another podcast anyway. So the message here, despite the sort of clickbait title, is accent important? I can't answer that question. That's a question for you to answer. That's something that you need to decide what you want to do with your English. Anyway, I hope you found that interesting, engaging, perhaps even spellbinding. Um, and you can leave some comments below with what you think regarding accent. And thank you for listening to the end of this episode. As always, if you'd like to find the transcriptions, please visit our website, www.realspeak.uk, or in the bottom of the podcast here, you can find the transcription too. And thank you for listening. Take care. See you next time.